Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to The Passing Shot, the tennis catch-up podcast serving you with the latest news, gossip and results from the ATP and WTA circuit and British tennis. Ready? Play. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. And welcome, Passing Shot fans, latest episode of your tennis catch-up podcast. This week on the Passing Shot, we're looking back on the Rogers Cup in Montreal and Toronto, um, and the Cincinnati Masters event, which was last week. Uh, we're also going to be looking at how the British contingent are doing, how they're shaping up uh, for the US Open on the US hard courts. And we're going to look at a favourite match statistic in scoreboard stories. And then we're going to finally end on some uh, juicy uh, tour gossip from the social media of the grapevine. Uh, but before we do all that, I want to say hello to my co-presenter back from back from her holidays. Kim, how are you? Hi. Yeah, very good. Thanks. Nice and refreshed. Looking forward to the US Open. <laughs> how was your how was your holiday? Uh, well, my holiday was actually going home because I'm currently living away from oh, home. So it was yeah. a bit of a strange one. But yeah, it was good. Were you able to keep up to date in the tennis world whilst uh, on holiday or was it a bit of a detox? um well I always find it was after kind of Wimbledon so I always find after Wimbledon I kind of you know you, you do have a bit of a natural detox you know post Grand Slam blue so um yeah no I've I'm, I'm got my Grand Slam enthusiasm back after the uh the Masters great stuff uh well as everyone knows my all my all the passing shot fans out there Kim is my tennis partner in crime she's my Rafa Nadal expert and she's my co-host. So uh, we're going to um, divide and conquer uh, with this podcast, looking at, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, the results roundup, uh, Brits on tour, um, scoreboard store, finally Gossip Alley. Uh, uh, so first part of the show, it's results roundup. Now, um, results roundup. So this is kind of the part, part in the season where um, we've got two back-to-back big, quite big Masters events. Uh, Masters level events are kind of that step uh, below Grand Slam level. Um, and we had the Rogers Cup uh, two weeks ago, uh, which is the uh, Canadian Open. Um, and that's based in uh, Montreal and Toronto. It switches uh, the men and women alternate each year. So this year, uh, the men uh, were in Toronto and the women were in Montreal. Um, and then we had uh, Cincinnati uh, just last week. Um, so we'll recap uh, both the men uh, and women's uh, competitions uh, for each of the tournaments. Um, and we'll start with the uh, men's in the Rogers Cup. Now, uh, going into the event, um, you know, if we were kind of looking at the, the big four, it was kind of a bit of, it was, it was a bit interesting. Um, Federer dropped out. Uh, basically said he was 
he was basically looking after his body and, and didn't feel like he wanted to, to push himself. Um, you know, obviously had one eye on the US Open. Um, Murray was coming out of Washington all knackered, you know, playing up to, you know, crack of dawn, 3am in the morning um, and decided that, yeah, he didn't want to play um, coming, you know, on the route back from injury. Um, but apart from that, um, 19 um, of the top 20 people in the men's rankings played. So it was still a very um, competitive tournament. And I think, you know, if you compare that to previous um, editions of the Rogers Cup, I think a lot of players in the past, norm, you know, sometimes decide to skip it. So I think, you know, they were quite thankful that, um, yeah, that they were um, able to yeah get a really kind of strong field um, out there. Um, and um, going into kind of the tournament itself, um, going to the latter rounds, uh, we had Rafa Nadal, um, uh, obviously world number one, top seed. Um, he uh, kind of got through to the final, beating uh, Warrinka and Silic en route. Um, he was actually pushed quite hard by Warrinka, which I was quite surprised by. But um, he, um, you know, you got, you got to the final and, uh, you know, I don't know, Kim, did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, it was um, it was uh, a great, great week for Rafa. So, um, yeah, very pleased, obviously. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he had some tough matches. But I think, you know, it's that's kind of to be expected, I suppose. Yeah. First tournament I think, hard court, so. I think the breakout for me was in the bottom half of the draw with um, Stefanos Sissipas. Um, now, he's one of these next-gen characters coming up alongside, uh, you know, uh, Zverev and Shapovalov. Um, and it was really kind of, you know, he put himself in almost like the mainstream, I think, with um, Rogers Cup. He got to the final and en route uh, became, uh, I think he became the first player to defeat four top 10, uh, four top 10 players in one week. Um, so he beat uh, number eight seed, sorry, number eight in the world, Dominic Team. He beat Novak Djokovic, who's number 10. Um, he beat Alex Zverev and number three in the world and Kevin Anderson, number six. So he did, you know, very, very well to get to the final and, you know, going in obviously completely as the underdog in a lot of, diff- a lot of matches. Um, and yeah, he did, did very well. Did, did you have any thoughts yeah. on, yeah, on him? He's, he's definitely one to watch, isn't he? I mean, I think also he just has um, really quite a good style about him. So I'm really quite excited to, um, to see more of him. And I mean, what an incredible week as well, beating yeah, four top tenors. Yeah. Like that happen, you know, every week on tour. So, um, yeah, it's kind of like his breakthrough tournament, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of his matches were, you know, three set victories. So it was great to kind of see him, you know, tough it out. Um, yeah. It just showed to me he had that kind of mental toughness, regardless of, you know, who was, you know, op- you know on the opposite side of the net. Um, so, yeah, so we got to the final and it was Nadal uh, versus City Pass. Um, and Nadal, uh, yeah, so Nadal won. Uh, I think it was what was the score? I think it was six one seven five. Yeah. Or seven six. No, I think it was seven six six one seven six. Um but you know, it was a great kind of um you know, le- I think it was kind of more of a you know learning opportunities for, for Sissy Pass. Um and you know, perhaps a, a perhaps a step too far against, you know, a you know formidable opponent um on the other side of the net. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, to get to the final was pretty amazing. Um, and yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how, how he'll go on from there, you know, mm. whether it will be a case of first round defeat at the US Open or you <laughs> know, whether he'll go to the semis or something. It's just yeah. kind of up in the air, really, but we'll see. It'll be exciting. Yeah. yeah. And he's added, in, I think, you know, now he's added himself into that, 
you know, upper echelon of, um, you know, up and coming uh, next gen players. You know, he might not be at the level of, you know, the consistency level outside of Grand Slams of Zverev at the moment, but I'd certainly now put him in that bracket with Shapovalov um, and Kachinov as well um, of Russia. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely agree with you there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was um, Toronto. Um, the other thing I thought was quite interesting about Toronto is um, I think, you know, because of like the lack of, um, they, were, they were obviously keen to attract the top players uh, to the tournament. And uh, one of the ways they did this was they offered all singles and doubles finalists private jet service uh, to their next tournament, which I thought wasn't, you know, it's not, it's not, I mean, it's not too shabby. I mean, uh, I'm a tennis player, hey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was, uh, you know, that was, I mean, that was pretty nice, uh, pretty nice perk for uh, the top players you got through. Um, so moving on to WTA Montreal, um, we, again, kind of going into it, um, I think a lot of eyes were on uh, Serena Williams. Um, she played bef- in the week before, she played San Jose um, and suffered the worst defeat of her career. Uh, to Johanna Conta, uh, six one six love. This was a sort of result where I kind of woke up in the morning, uh, flicked on my like ATP WTA live scores app, and I was I just was like, uh, what? I was almost I like, it, yeah. <laughs> I thought I was just like, I sort of thought I was like dreaming to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, but interestingly, um, it, it later turned out um, she uh, she had found out that um, her half sister's killer had been freed from jail. Um, so obviously that was on her mind. Um, and that was, and, and a lot of people are obviously connecting the two. And that was a reason behind her bad, bad performance. Um, and she decided to kind of pull out uh, with 48 hours to go, citing personal reasons. Um, so um, yeah, that was, that was kind of, um, yeah, people were kind of wondering what was going on there, but it was obviously got you know, cleared up in the end. Um, you know, moving on to the, the women's event, um, Kind of similar story to the men. We had number one seed um, Simona Halep um, kind of get to the uh, get to the final um, and came up against uh, the number three seed Sloane Stevens um, of the United States. Um, now, from you know, many of you will probably know that that's a, a rematch of the the French Open final. Um, and uh, again, it was kind of a very competitive contest. Um, Halep came out seven six three six six four. Um, in a match that lasted uh, two hours and 41 minutes. So um, very kind of, yeah, very competitive and, you know, rivalry definitely uh, one to look out for in the future. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's good to see some kind of, um, you know, continuous battles happening in like big uh, deep end of the tournaments in the women's game. So, Mm. um, you know, they could very well be um, battling out in New York in the final come September, you know. uh, I think, you know... I'm thinking actually. Yeah, I think for me, what's what's interesting is obviously, you know, I know, you know, Halep has got pedigree, um, you know, on on you know any match she kind of, uh, sorry, on any court surface she 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 plays on. But with Stevens, you know, she's she's defending big points uh, from last season um, on the you know in the hard courts of uh, you know America and Canada. So you know she's got that uh, you know un- unlike last year, you know, I think. She may, she's not obviously, she, well, she doesn't look like she's feeling it, but, you know, she's got that added pressure that she needs to back up, um, you know, what she did last year. So she's not kind of, 
Um, so she's kind of keeping that consistency. Um, so it was great to kind of see her get to the, you know, get to the final. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then kind of in, in other news, um, Kerber played her first match after Wimbledon um, and she lost to uh, Elise Cornet uh, four and one. So, um, yeah, so it wasn't kind of all plain sailing for, um, you know, some of the players who kind of you were know, doing well on, on the grass court season. But I'm sure, you know, Kerber will, will you know, bank, bank, bounce back from that. Yeah, we often see that, don't we? They just kind of, you know, it's very up and down. But um, yeah, I'm sure mm. she'll, she'll uh, I'm sure it was just kind of a easing into the hard court season. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so that was kind of uh, Rogers Cup in Montreal. Uh, and now moving on to uh, Cincinnati. Um, kind of almost like the Federer reason Nadal, Nadal used, um, but kind of more, I guess, more legitimately, maybe. Um, Nadal pulled out of uh, Cincinnati uh, due to um, his excerpts in Toronto. Um, so, obviously, he kind of felt that he was ready for, he was ready for the US Open in his eyes after winning the Rogers Cup. So we're not going to be seeing him until, yeah, the first round in New York. Um, the, the kind of downer on that was that everyone was excited uh, for the fact that uh, Cincinnati was going to be the first uh, tournament in a long time. I think over, I think I was reading in over uh, two years that um, all the big four, uh, Murray, Djokovic, Federer and Nadal were going to be um, in, in a draw. Um, but obviously Nadal uh, nixed that for the time being. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so, um, yeah, it was kind of, yeah, there was Federer, Murray and Djokovic, um, you know, I guess all had kind of questions about how they would fare. Um, first of all, kind of looking at, at Murray, um, we'll get on to him, I guess, in a bit. We're on in kind of looking at the Brits, but um yeah, it was interesting. He came up against Lucas Puy. Um, I think he would have expected to win that, but unfortunately didn't. Um, and, you know, once we got to the final, um, we had a kind of a classic nostalgia matchup uh, between Federer um, and Djokovic. Um, and kind of the story here, um, you had Federer looking for his 99th uh, career title. Um, but more interestingly, you had Djokovic, who was bidding to become the first person to win all nine uh, ATP Masters events. Um, he had been a five-time finalist at Cincinnati, but he had never won it. So everyone was wondering, could he do it? Could he become that first person to win all Masters events? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I didn't even realise he'd reached five finals. Like, um, I kind of just had a dream before the tournament. He would, he'd already won it before. But um, yeah, like it was a, it was a classic kind of rematch, wasn't it? And I think um, was it something like twenty three, twenty two, going into that match yep. in the head to head, in the head to head, yeah. Jock of it. Yeah, very, very close. Yeah, very close rivalry. Uh, you know, a lot. I think you know, perhaps the closest rivalry between players in the big four. Um, you know, Djokovic has a better head-to-head now against Federer, Nadal, and uh, um, and yeah. yeah, he he beat um, he beat Federer six four six four. Federer in the press conference said he didn't actually felt he he played that well. Um, but um, yeah, congratulations to Novak Djokovic, who um, I saw on the TV. He like literally stayed behind and and signed like. 
you know, a thousand and one autographs for the for the crowd. Um, so obviously he was very pleased um, with his with his performance, and yeah, becoming the first first person to um, yeah to win all the all the Masters events. So so well done him. Um, yeah, no, yeah. a good a good final. Yeah, I think you know it's one of those finals which you know in you know in America like that's gonna that's you know. That's the sort of final that organisers, you know, are hoping for. Um, yeah, know, the sponsors, and... like, dream match. <laughs> exactly. You know, that was the, probably the match. That was the final they were hoping going for, go, you know, going into the tournament. And that's the final they got. So I'm sure, you know, every, everyone's happy in that respect. Um, yeah. And then finally, moving on to the uh, women's uh, draw uh, in Cincinnati. Um, again, um, Samola Halep um, kind of, you know, demonstrating her kind of status as world number one, um, getting uh, getting to the final. Um, but on the other side of the on the other side of the court, uh, the player she faced in the final was Kiki Burton's, which was, um, you know, if you look at her performances, um, you know, in previous, she's done absolutely nothing. I think she'd won one match out of the last three editions. Um, so it was very, in one hand, very surprising to see her uh, get to the final, but almost like kind of like a, you know, a fresh, a breath of fresh air. And it was great to see a player who, um, you know, some people would say that she is a clay court specialist, um, kind of, you know, making that transition and showing actually she can play on, you know, the other court surfaces as well. So it was great to kind of see um, Burton's get to the final uh, and face Hallett. And um, Burton's, um, even though she, you know, went into the competition unseeded, uh, beat Hallett uh, two six seven six six two. Yeah, no, it was great to see her, you know, um, do so well on such a big stage as well. Because she's been like knocking on the door for a while, mm. and you know, making a bit of a name for herself. So, no, it was really good. Um, good to see her win that one. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at her results in that tournament, and she had a. You know, she beat some very, some very, very good players, some former Grand Slam champions. So she beat Halep in the final. Um, she beat Wozniacki. Uh, she beat Kvitova, Svitolina, uh, Vandeve, and Kontovite. So she beat some, you know, she's obviously, you know, she didn't, you certainly couldn't say she had a, you know, an easy, you know, an easy game in, 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 um, you know, in her route to the final. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, very good. And I, you know, certainly, um you know, she's going to be a player that you know, not a lot of people are going to want to be facing, um, you know, at the at the US Open in Flushing Meadow. Um, so, yeah, so that kind of wraps up um, this kind of segment on uh, looking at the results um, of the back-to-back Masters in Canada um, and in the USA. Um, we're now going to hand over to Kim and she's going to talk to us about the Brits on tour. I am indeed. So um, <laughs> for those of you following tennis, not the best of weeks for British players um, out in Canada and USA. Uh, I mean, I'll start with British number one uh, in the men's at the moment, Kyle Edmund. So, I mean, he didn't have a great run of form. Um, no. So in the Rogers Cup, he only got to the second round. Uh, he lost to Schwartzman pretty, pretty comprehensively. Um, yeah, 6 yeah. one six two, I think. Um, so that was not really the sort of no. results that we, um, Kyle, to be to be having going into the US Open. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, I mean, 
Yeah. I mean, Schwarzman is one of those, like, really awkward people to play against. And, like, you can't... Yeah, it's just, like... I don't... He's, like, a... Almost like a star. You can't really... um, I guess, like, train for or coach for. You can only understand and learn, you know, by playing him across the net. Yeah, I think it's just more like the school line that was, I guess, a bit more worrying mm. for British fans. Yeah. Um, you know, being like seven five six four, like I think that would have been kind of understandable. But, you know, um, that's, again, like, you know, Rogers Cup, you know, Cincinnati, uh, Kyle did slightly better he lost to Shapovalov uh so mm. second round again but, you know Shapovalov's not exactly um an embarrassment to lose to and that was I think yeah a bit more kind of like six four seven five so yeah um yeah I saw or, um yeah. I saw Edmund is uh he's decided to take a wild card into Winston-Salem just to get some more matches under his belt matches. um yeah, I think that would and be obviously he um, obviously he did very well in Winston Salem last year, almost too well. He got to the he uh, he got to the final, um, perhaps as a qualifier. I'm not sure, but he got to the final, and uh, I actually, I mean, I watched him at the U.S. Open. I thought he almost had too many matches under his belt, and he was running on steam by the time he got to kind of like the third uh, to the to the fourth round, I think, when he lost to Shapovalov, but. Um, yeah, he's obviously felt that he he needs to get some more matches under his belt and is playing uh, yeah Winston Salem. Yeah, hopefully he'll judge it just right because you know he could do so well at the US and he's he's going to be well he's sixteen in the world so I'm assuming he'll get the uh, the sixteen seed seeding so um, yeah I'm excited to see what his draw will bring him. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously we discussed Andy he didn't play uh, Rogers Cup uh, but he was back for Cincinnati lost to um I can never say his name, fans out there. Um and so yeah, that was three sets. But I mean Andy, I think, you know, he's just finding his time. He's he's taking it easy, isn't he? Yeah. And I don't think we should expect too much really from him after being out for a year. So it's just good to see him back on the court. Um in terms of other Brits, um, Cam Norrie. So he got, uh, well, he was knocked out in qualies in Cincinnati uh, in the first round. But, um, you know, he lost to Coppell, Marius Coppell, three sets. Mm-hmm. So it's a shame yeah. he didn't do any, any further than there. Um, going on to the women, obviously, Joe Conta. She, um, she's down to 46, I think, now in the rankings. So yeah, that's crazy. really... Uh, I know it just shows you how quickly things can change. Um, she she didn't have, I mean, too bad at Rogers Cup. She beat Ostapenko and Azarenka, um, yeah. which are names you know she should be beating. We would want her to be beating, and then she ended up losing to uh, Svitolina straight sets, um, which you know I thought it was quite a tight match, a, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean it was six three six four, but you'll see. Okay. Yeah, this fighter probably than the scoreline suggested. Mm. Um, and going on to Cincinnati, oh, well, she was out in the first round to Sabalenka, three sets. But Sabalenka, I think, went on to do quite well in that tournament. Mm. She is kind of like up and up and coming, isn't she? Um, yeah, yeah, watch. she is. Yeah. So again, that's, you know. But I'm hoping, you know, Joe's done well at the US before. So I'm hoping she can kind of pull a string of matches together. Maybe she'll get a good draw. Um, yeah. And interestingly, she was playing doubles with Ostapenko in um, Cincinnati. 
Um, I think they reached like the fourth round, but I thought that was kind of um, quite interesting. She's obviously trying to get, you know, get more matches under her belt. Um, yeah. Dabbling in hope- doubles. Yeah, I hope. Uh, I I wonder. That's interesting actually because I I don't know if she's on the the doubles list for the U.S. Open, but yeah, I hope she's still kind of you know make sure that singles is her bread and butter and she doesn't kind of transform into like a, a you know a person who plays singles and doubles. I, I want to see her yeah. focus more, you know, yeah. on getting into the top, you know, back into the top ten. Yeah, absolutely. No, she should. Yeah, that should be absolutely her priority. Um, but maybe she's just, you know, it's just like a temporary measure, isn't it? To kind of. I still don't think, you know, I still don't think, uh, you know, a lot of players, you know, if she goes into the US Open unseeded, I don't think a lot of the seeded players will want to play her early doors, given that, you know, she's proven, yeah. um, you know, on more than one occasion that she can go deep in the Grand Slams. Um, so I still think that, you know, she'll be a dangerous opponent to whoever she kind of faces, um, you know, faces in, in Flushing Meadow. Yeah, and I think also, like, you know, she's probably got a bit of less less pressure on her now, you know. People aren't expecting as much as when she was in the mm. top ten. So I think that might just give a bit of room to kind of relax a bit. So, you know, um, that would be really, really good going forward if she could get up up again so we know we we know that she can do it um and then yeah we had um other brits casey balter she was uh in qualies uh for rogers cup lost first round but i mean at least she's kind of getting getting there you know if she just has a round form she can make the main draw yeah um i mean you know i'm quite a fan of doubles so um jamie jamie murray suarez yes this is probably the British victory, so yeah. yeah. So Great to Murray, for that. Murray, Murray did win Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, he did. So, and Murray did win. Yeah, Murray has won something uh, in the last two weeks. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think uh, for me that was probably the biggest highlight on the you know the ATP tour. Um, just looking, I guess, a bit you know scratching the surface and looking at the Challenger tour. Um, it's interesting to see Dan Dan Evans is is slowly rising back to, um, you know, where he was uh, pre-drugs brand. Um, he won um, He won in Vancouver. Um, he went into that match, sorry, he went into that tournament um, into qualifying, got through qualifying, and then made his way all the way through to the final, uh, beat uh, Pospisil um, en route, and, uh, yeah, won, the, won Vancouver. So he is now back, I think, in the top, See back in the top 150 or top 200 yeah. anyway something like that but yeah he did so well he's so so well for for that victory and yeah i mean it's just such a shame really they had that that ban because you know you just think what, we, what he could have done um but now he's sort of gave, you know but all that effort to go back up but you know um i think he can do it cool um yeah so uh is that was there anything else is that was that was that it I think so. I mean, unless you have anything you would like to add, uh, I'm just it's exciting to see, you know, how we're going to fare at the US. Um, I think, you know, we've got reasons to be cheerful um, um, in some respects. Yeah, I hundred, I definitely agree. I only the only thing that kind of annoys me is, uh, you know, we're recording this episode now with the US Open qualifying starting. The only thing that annoys me is that. In the first round qualifying for the men and women's, they're both all British matchups. You've got yeah, Jay that Clark. Is just <laughs> you've 
you've got Jay Clark versus uh, Liam Brody in round one of the men's qualifying. And then I think it was earlier to, earlier today, actually, uh, Katie Balter versus uh, Naomi Brady. And I think Bro- uh, Naomi, Naomi Brody won that. Uh, but yeah, it was just a bit annoying that, you know, we have four Brits in the qualifying um, and uh, yeah, they, they faced each other in the first, in the first round. So that was great. Um, and I guess also the other... History. <laughs> yeah. And I guess the other thing to add to that, which is also slightly annoying, is that Dan Evans has just played himself into this form. Um, and I think he's now got to a point in, in the rankings where um, he would have made the cut for US Open qualifying if it was made like a week later or something. So again, it's a bit annoying that he can't kind of go and prove himself against, you know, take it up a, a notch um, at, at a grand slam. You know, it will be at a qualifying level, but you know, I'm sure, you know, his day will, you know, his day will come uh, soon, you know, sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just timing, isn't it? It's it's all about timing. If it had been a few weeks earlier, you know, he would have probably done enough to yeah to have got up there in time but yeah yeah so uh, is the way it goes cool um so that was brits on tour uh we're now going to hand back to myself um and we're going to go on to the next segment um now this is called scoreboard stories so this is when i find the most random obscure um surprising exciting whatever um, statistic uh, from uh, from the week. Um, now, I I I've always liked the statistics where I can challenge Kim uh, to guess like the answer. Uh, so uh, my first statistic was uh, Kim. I said earlier that um, Novak has won all nine Masters events. Can you name them? Oh gosh. <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll have to just go logically through the calendar. So, <laughs> Indian Wells, Miami, yeah. um, Monte Carlo. I've seen him win that one live. Um, Rome, Madrid. How many have you got there? Five. Toronto, well, Rogers Cup, obviously it's Toronto slash Montreal. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming he's probably won it on both, uh, in both cities. Um, Cincinnati, so what's that, seven? Oh, and then Paris and Shanghai. Yeah. That's nine, out, nine out of nine, 100%. Because, I mean, I don't think he ever won. They used to have Hamburg, which used to be a Masters. Yeah. I don't think he ever won that one, did he? Because uh, that changed. Yeah. yeah, I had to double yeah. check that statistic. Because, yeah, it's the nine Masters events that are, you know, at the moment. Um, at the moment, yeah. Yeah. And I think also he, I mean, Nadal is hot on his hot on his tails but uh Djokovic mm. also has the most masters titles uh yeah. do you want to have a guess at how many masters titles he has oh I, I don't know because <laughs> I oh I know um Rafa's never won Miami which has been his sort of like bugbear um uh, I don't it's... know 20 oh I should know this right <laughs> like 20 29 <laughs> very close 31 31 Oh, okay. Oh, sorry, Novak. I'm doing you out of two masters. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, so that was one statistic I thought was interesting. The other one I came across, this was a, you know, a, match, a match statistic, um, and it happened in the round of 16 in Cincinnati. It was Petra Martic versus uh, the American Amanda 
and Nisimova. The opening game lasted a grand total of 17 minutes. It was a routine hold uh, with Anisimova saving uh, seven break points uh, and going on to hold. And she ended up winning 6-4, 6-3. So, um, uh, yeah. I'm it was sure... worth that 17 minutes then, wasn't well, it? Yeah, she obviously, um, she obviously wanted to test the fitness of uh, Martic early on. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, that was kind of, um, it sounds like that was her strategy. Um, I'm sure there are, well, actually, I was almost surprised because when I saw this online, I kind of thought, oh, my God, all the naysayers out there are going to be like, there's no ad scoring should be introduced to, uh, you know, to the WTA and ATP circuit or whatever. <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, I just thought that was kind of funny because, you know, there's been so much talk lately about, like, five-set matches going on to you know for like 20 hours or whatever it's oh, yeah, uh, yeah. just like on a mic on a, on a like, micro scale looking at like opening games or whatever i just thought it was funny to see a you know 17 minute opening game um which that's is a, you know, yeah that's the sort of thing, like when you're watching it live and you're you know desperate for the loo and you think i'll just watch <laughs> this game and you're just stuck on court and like no one can you know hold serve or break or whatever and it's so frustrating if you're there live sometimes and you're like, oh, my God, someone just win the game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. So that was, uh, yeah, so that was scoreboard stories for this week. Um, yeah, opening games um, and Novak's dominance in Masters Series events. Um, we're now going to move on to uh, the final uh, part um, of this week's episode of The Passing Shot. Um, and it's Gossip Alley. Uh, Gossip Alley, we talk about the stuff that is on the social media grapevine. Um, Kim, did you did you have anything for me, or is what's I, going on? Well, on I don't, <laughs> I don't think there's been any real juicy gossip in the tennis world. Yeah. Um, well, not publicly on social media, anyway. Maybe. <laughs> um, I just wanted to mention in this um, how like. I don't know how, I don't, can't think of the right word here, but Andy Murray, like, on social media, I, I honestly genuinely think he's probably the best tennis player to follow. Mm-hmm. He's just so, um, he's just so amusing and he's so, you know, he's really coming across showing his personality. And it just, I don't know, all those, like, naysayers in the British media and the British public, all those, all those years who have said, oh, he's a bit boring, isn't he? He never smiles. If they could only see him on social media, like, you know, um, him and was it Nick Keery at the theme park, and he did that Q and A on Instagram the other day, and it's just such a good way to engage with people. Um, yeah, and I just yeah, wanted to give a shout out to uh, to Andy's Instagram. <laughs> yeah, no, his uh, his Q and A session was really it was really insightful. I think that a lot more players should be you know doing that to get across. You know, it is definitely a way you can get across your personality and your character. And also a way to, to connect with fans. I mean, obviously, we all wanted to know. Uh, I think one of the questions he answered on his Q&A was, if you were gay, which, uh, which player would you go out with on the ATP tour? Uh, do you want to have a guess at uh, who he said? Well, I know who he said. It's not a surprise, seeing as no. his mum loves this person. <laughs> exactly. Feliciano. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it was uh, Feliciano uh, Lopez. Um, oh, what else? What else did he did he say on his social media? I think he was talking about. Uh, oh yeah, that was it. He had, um, he, he had a funny picture of him with that um, that rubber duck. 
Yes. But I think most controversially of all, now I don't know where you stand on this debate. He said that he brushes his teeth with warm water. Oh yeah. What is that? Yeah, about? That's... What is that? About? <laughs> Isn't that a bit of a waste of like heating water up? <laughs> I mean, that's, I, I mean, might try that tonight. But... <laughs> improves, yeah. I might try it tonight and see if it like improves the um, the clean, cleanliness of my teeth. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, yeah, and maybe I'll do the same, actually. Uh, maybe if that's the one thing we take away from this podcast, we're going to try <laughs> cleaning our teeth uh, with warm water. My um, favourite thing about, um, I don't know if you remember, I think it was last year at Wimbledon, um, the BBC, I think it was, they went round and asked, you know, um, how all the top players ate their strawberries, so like Federer and Djokovic or whatever, Wafferinka, I think, you know, they just said, oh, like, with cream. Um, and then Andy just went with my fingers, <laughs> which just cracked me up. So, yeah, yeah. I, I love, I love uh, his, his wit. Interesting. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that was, I mean, yeah, that was, uh, I think, uh, dominating a lot of people's kind of social media, uh, like their Twitter feeds um, over the last week or so. Um, the only thing I could add to that is I saw uh, yesterday, uh, which you don't really hear about a lot. Um, Svitolina came out um, uh, in an uh, interview uh, this week um, talking about her team and how much it costs uh, to fund her team uh, for a season. Um, now, this is, this is the sort of information that doesn't really get disclosed. It's just random to kind of see it pop up on your uh, Twitter timeline or whatever. But, yeah, she said that her... Um, her um, sorry, her, uh, her team, uh, her coach, uh, physio, whatever, trainers, I don't know, um, cost her in the region of two hundred fifty uh, to $300,000 a season, um, which I think includes like accommodation and flights um, and uh, I guess paying their wages as well. So, uh, I mean, I think that's, I mean, what, what do you think? Do you think that's a lot or do you think that's like nothing? Or... Yeah. I don't know, really, because it does sound like an awful lot. But then if you think she's a top player, you know, she's going to have a coach, physio, trainer, whatever. And then if you're winning, I don't know. I mean, how? what's that prize money for last year? Did, did you look that much? Yeah, Does I think, I mean, like... for like US Open, I mean, for winning the US Open, you get over a million, don't you? So yeah, so in that case, it's that's kind of like a relatively low percentage compared to I don't know, what a normal person might pay on rent, um, yeah. for example. But I think uh, that's one part of tennis I, I personally would really like to know more about how mm. it works from like operational side of things. So if anyone does have any more info on that, then they should, you know, give us a shout. <laughs> yeah, give us. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you want, uh, you know, if you want a tennis coach, you know, definitely ask me because I, you know, you can happily pay me $300,000 and I can tell you what. <laughs> um, I, yeah, and I can travel, travel the world, I'll, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so in for that. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, so um, that was uh, kind of uh, yeah something from uh, that you know that I saw that I thought was uh, you know, it was quite interesting, um, and I think quite a nice way uh, to um, to round off uh, gossip alley. Um, we're kind of now entering like the you know the final 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 round of the show, um, and I'm just going to give a quick shout out to um, to the Davis Cup. Um, I did a podcast on the Davis Cup and the changes um, 
that have and the reforms that uh, were agreed on Wednesday and kind of what it means uh, for the global game. What does it mean for British tennis? Um, you know, how is it going to look in the future? Um, so if you're kind of interested about that, um, that's available um, along with this podcast on iTunes, Spotify and Google Google Podcasts. Um, you can also check out our, our website, uh, www.thepassingshot.co.uk um, to check more out about the show, um, learn a bit more about the, the presenters, myself uh, and Kim. Um, and yeah, so uh, I hope you can join us next time uh, when we will be previewing uh, the US Open. We'll be looking at the uh, men and women's draws. Uh, I think we'll be picking our favourites as well going into the tournament. And then probably looking back on them thinking, what were we thinking uh, after, after, the, <laughs> after the event? Um, so, yeah. I hope you can, so I hope you can join us then. Um, in the meantime, uh, you can follow us um, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, just simply search The Passing Shots. Um, and until next time, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye.